welcome to the Stalk and I podcast for single women considering solo motherhood by donor conception. I'm your host, Mel Johnson, the solo motherhood coach and solo mum to a three-year-old daughter. For series four of the podcast, I talk to a variety of professionals about specific topics relevant to solo parenthood where they have an expertise. Something that can be hugely challenging for people considering solo parenthood is that it can take a long time, sometimes years, to decide if this is the right path for us. We can go through a grieving process to let go of the way we thought we'd become a parent and really have to do some work to embrace this different but equally positive route. What can then sometimes happen is that we can realise that in reality, that first decision was really just the first step then it can become possible to start embarking on a really long and complex fertility journey. Sometimes at the beginning, we don't realise that that's how it's going to be, and so it can come as a bit of a surprise. It can also feel really unfair that as well as having to embrace a different path to parenthood than we originally thought, we also have to work through a fertility journey and to do that without a partner by our sides to support us. That's why it's really important to have the right support in place so that we don't feel alone on this journey. And that's why I wanted to talk to today's guest, Sarah Holland. Sarah is the Fertile Mindset Coach and she has a unique, effective and empowering approach to fertility support. She's been working in the world of fertility since 2001 and having experienced fertility challenges herself, she's pioneered the use of EFT tapping specifically for fertility support. Sarah believes it's possible for anyone's fertility journey to become a much more positive and fulfilling experience and that by recognising and supporting the emotional aspects of fertility, the path to parenthood can become more successful in every way, including creating a family. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Mel, for inviting me. I was really pleased to receive your email because you know I love everything you do and the support you offer is so needed. Um, So thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're more than welcome. Basically, my audience is single women considering solo parenthood and also some women who are already solo parents. And it can be challenging going through the decision making process to decide to become a solo parent. But I think what sometimes takes people by surprise is that once you've gone through that decision making process and you've decided to embark on this journey, sadly often that journey isn't straightforward and having no partner for support I look for other places that women can get really great support as they're going through the journey Um, and actually I was first introduced to you by one of the women in my coaching um, community who had had support from yourself and said it was an absolute lifeline for her. So I thought it would be great for us to just chat a bit more about that today so that hopefully um, other people who are looking for that additional support um, can find it. So before we get into it, it would be great if you could give yourself an introduction. Yeah, I'm happy to. Thank you, Mel. So my name is Sarah Holland. My business and everywhere that you'll find me on social media is Fertile Mindset. And whilst that name kind of sounds like we, we talk about 
having a mindset that will support your fertility. I see it as so much more, really. I see it as supporting a mindset that is fertile, that is creative, that can help you with life's challenges, including your fertility journey and really getting your mind and your perspective into the best possible place to deal with whatever challenges are in front of you. So as you were saying there, um, with solo motherhood, just a little bit of extra information that I probably don't usually give in interviews, but that I'm a daughter of a solo mother, um, not by choice in her case, although my parents did split up before I was one, so I have no memory of being in a, you know, mum and dad kind of family. And I was brought up by my mum my whole life as a, an only child, a single mum. And I was aware that that was quite a different upbringing to have, you know, um, but also aware of some huge benefits that I didn't see in my friends that had big sibling groups or both parents that were arguing or couldn't agree on how to discipline children or what the rules were, you know, a lot of confusion in kind of two, two parent families, which I must admit I struggle with more now in, in my own parenting alongside my husband when I've just seen my mum be the sole person, you know, to make decisions. So I have that kind of extra insight into solo motherhood, you could say, as well as a lot of um, women that I've supported along the way on their own fertility journeys who are, who are looking to be solo mums too. So the modality that I use um, and what we were talking about as such a useful technique to bring in at this time when we notice it's going to be you know, more challenging and it becomes more challenging emotionally, it's a technique called EFT, which stands for Emotional Freedom Techniques sometimes also called tapping or meridian tapping. And we're probably going to talk a bit more about that later. Um, but it's a technique that I used myself when I was on my own fertility journey. It's something I've supported so many women and couples with now as well. Um, and it's really all about helping you connect with your own, your own inner strength, your own resilience, your own wisdom, you could say as well, and intuition about knowing what feels right. You mentioned decision making there. And that's a huge part. It's like the biggest first step, isn't it? Is, am I going to do this? And if so, how am I going to do this? And that can take time in itself. And I find that even using EFT at that first stage can be very helpful in clearing the mind and, and knowing right, what route feels best for me, not what everyone else says I should do or, or you know, what I, my kind of logical brain is saying I should do, what really feels like right for me. So, so yeah, I've, I've had my own fertility journey and have two children now, both through birth and adoption. So I have understanding of switching paths and things not quite going as you thought they would, um, which of course I see every day with the, the people I support at Fertile Mindset and the community I have too. So yeah, that's a little snapshot. <laughs> Brilliant. I think that's great because actually how I support women is taking them through the resources, the information, you know, I suppose in more of a logical way. And what's a really nice accompaniment to that is then thinking about more of that, you know, what feels right to them. You know, I can give them the facts and to try to help make a decision, but it's nice to be able to tap into, um, you know, that bit that you're describing to also help support make a decision. So it sounds like it, um, it goes nice hand in hand. So when we talk about EFT, um, where did it come from? Like, what's the history of it? And what, when did you first get into it? So yeah, there's two stories there then. So the history of EFT in itself, you could say started, well, it started around 5,000 years ago with the Chinese um, discovering and using the meridian system for good health, which we're most familiar with um, acupuncture here in the West, aren't we? Acupuncture, acupressure, other techniques that use the meridian system. So that's always been used for say a vast amount of time. Um, and then in the seventies, there was an American psychologist, he was called Dr. Roger Callahan, who had an interest in 
Chinese medicine, but also was working as a Western psychologist. And he was curious about how he could bring the two worlds together. And by complete freak accident, you could say, he discovered one day with a patient of his who apparently was called Mary. It's like one of these tales that's passed down now. And Mary had this really intense phobia of water, like hugely intense phobia, um, to the point where she struggled to even bathe and wash. You know, she was so, so fearful of water. Um, and he was talking to her one day after months of therapy, you know, regular kind of Western psychology that wasn't working and asked her, you know, how do you feel when you think of water? And she said she felt sick to her stomach. So knowing that the stomach meridian had a point under the eye, he asked her just to tap a point under the eye while thinking about how sick to her stomach she felt, thinking about water. And within minutes, she felt her fear had gone. And as the tale goes, she went into his um, private swimming pool that was in the grounds of his clinic like it would be in California I guess doesn't happen here in Hertfordshire and and splashed her face with the water and was was cured so he went on to develop this and thought I had a curiosity about the role that the meridians play in the emotions that we feel stuck with the fears the phobias the anxiety the low mood whatever it may be uh, and developed a technique at the time in the 70s called TFT which is thought field therapy. One of his students, um, Gary Craig, was an engineer, but also had um, a real interest in finding the best techniques for mankind to use, you know, for the emotional health, which is one that's always elusive to us, isn't it? How do we really support our emotions? And because he brought in his engineering background, it was really, really interesting. He developed EFT, which is much more um, fail safe and user friendly to use by ourselves. So you don't have to go to a practitioner that's charging a fortune to have this really complex algorithm of tapping points. Instead with EFT, they make it very simple and straightforward, but just as effective as well, which is the technique that I use um, with the people that I support. And also I teach them how to do it so they can continue to yeah. support their emotions, whatever happens next. You know, they don't have to constantly come back to me for another hour appointment. You know, they feel empowered with that technique. So the way that I discovered it, which is completely different again from Mary and her water phobia, but I had just as intense a phobia of public speaking. Um, which would have meant, Mel, I wouldn't have even been sitting here doing this with you. Yeah. Despite not seeing an audience, I would have felt so nervous that everyone would hear me speak and it would be way too much. So, and I definitely wouldn't, you know, present to a room of people or chair a meeting or anything like that. It was just something I refused to do. I, it was beyond what I did. But one day I had to chair a meeting. It was part of my career where I was a reflexologist and I ran a group of local reflexologists and I ran the group. I did the admin. I was quiet behind the scenes and my friend chaired the meetings. That was our agreement that I would never chair them. But she had an unexpected meeting she couldn't make. Everyone was coming and I had to take, I had to take the meeting. It was my worst nightmare. So I'd heard about EFT and I thought, I'll give it a go. I don't think it will work, but I'm hearing such amazing results. I'll try it. And within 20 minutes of the first session, all the fear had gone. I was actually excited about doing the talk um, and then went on to give talks. As you know, you've seen me speaking all over the place. It's, you know, it's a major part of my work now, including traveling to give talks all over the world. I was on BBC News, live news, speaking without any knowledge what they were going to ask me, live in front of the camera and loving it, you know, loving every minute of it. So wow. way back when that first, that was 2003, 2004 time, um, that convinced me, you know, this is a technique that's really interesting and really important. I was already supporting the fertility community through my reflexology and was struggling with the emotional side. I just, I was 
I didn't know how to support them so you know best um, and when this technique came in I thought yeah perfect this is something I want to start using so I trained I started using it with all those reflexology clients and seeing such such amazing results especially with those going through IVF having treatments that didn't succeed wanting to find the strength to do another treatment but also really wanting to stop and preserve themselves you know and being in that torn position and EFT just so quickly gave them their strength back and helped them reconnect with what they truly wanted and, and make, like we said, those good, clear decisions. Do I continue? Do I take a break? Do I change treatment path? You know, making all of that flow much more easily. So I've been tapping for myself and everyone else ever since in the last, wow, about 18 years now. Wow. And so if someone came to you, like what, what's the process? What does it look like? What do you do with them? Well, we always start with a conversation first, a completely free, no obligation conversation, just to find out where they are. And for many people, that might be the first time they've really shared openly as well. You know, perhaps they're, they haven't told their family maybe that they're, they're making this choice or going through treatment. Perhaps they don't have any friends they feel would truly understand. So it's nice to have that space, first of all, just to really talk and, and share and, and see where the difficulties are. But when we get into the using EFT and we we start using it together it's in two parts the session first of all I teach the technique which I can give an overview in a second about how it works and why it works because I know it sounds a bit mysterious you know you yeah. tap on meridian points and you feel mm -hmm. calmer like how does that work so we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute okay. yeah I teach the technique but then also importantly use the technique with them and guide them through it every step of the way so they're not on their own using it they get into grips with how this works with me giving the total guidance through it and then encouraging them after the session and in between sessions to continue using it by themselves so they feel they're, they've got that self-help tool in their toolkit to bring out, you know, if any stress hits. Brilliant. So tell us, tell us a bit more about what it actually is then. Yeah. Okay. So EFT, it stands for Emotional Freedom Techniques, as I said, or it's called tapping or meridian tapping because it does use the meridian system. Um, so you may have seen that, you know, on your acupuncturist wall, it, there's a big chart often hanging up if you've had acupuncture with these lines through the body. Uh, we use it in a very different way. We don't use any kind of needles or, and it's not a passive technique either. It's a proactive interactive technique with using your own fingertips to tap on the points. Now, the reason why EFT works, the kind of um, theory behind it is that any negative emotions we experience, and by negative emotions, I mean any that feel uncomfortable, that they're not needed, that we feel stuck with and that are causing a problem. Any of those emotions are caused by a disruption in our body's energy system. Now, the tapping works to rebalance that disruption. Now, because that's all a little bit abstract and we can't see that going on, I like to think of the meridian system a bit like our body's um, inner electrical wiring. So in the houses that we're all sitting in now, as we, we listen to this podcast, you know, there are wires running through the walls, under the floor, through the ceiling. You know, we can't see those wires, but we know that they're there. We know that they're taking energy to every part of our house, electricity to every part, keeping the lights working, keeping our laptop on, whatever it is. Um, and if there is a disruption going on in our body, it's a bit like a disruption in the house when you get a power surge, a short circuit, something is stopping that energy from flowing as it needs to. So when that happens in our body and we have that disruption and the energy isn't flowing like it needs to, then we detect that in emotional or physical discomfort or disorders in any way. So the acupuncturist will insert needles along those lines and tweak those needles to rebalance the flow of the energy. And with tapping, we purely focus on whatever the issue is. 
So say it was, you know, you are at a decision point and you were thinking, well, do I do my treatment this way or do I do it that way? You know, do I go with this donor or that donor or something you had something that you had to decide that was a really important decision, but you felt completely torn. You could sit with that, notice the confusion or the overwhelm that comes up, then tap on all the meridian points. They're all on the face, the hands and the upper body. So very easy to access points while staying really focused on that issue. Um, so we say words, we say phrases as we're tapping, you know, this, this, um, this decision is really difficult to make. I'm not sure what I should do. Should I go with option A or option B? I'm just completely torn and it's overwhelming. You know, whatever the self-talk is, we say it out loud while tapping on the points. It takes just a couple of minutes. And then at the end, we can check in and see, right, how do I now feel about that issue? Is there a shift for me? Um, has it changed? Has some other thought come forward that I need to address first so I can make a good decision? You know, it just kind of starts to peel back the layers to bring that clarity. And then when you do make a decision, you can stick to it 100% or whatever else it is, whether it's your phobia of water, phobia of public speaking, the stress and overwhelm of continuing to try through fertility issues. You know, there's so many different issues we use on countless issues. So one of the things that a lot of people say to me, I've um, termed it flip-flopping around. Someone said that to me and I love that term, which is thinking that you've made the decision to start the journey to solo motherhood and, and on a good day being really clear about it. And then on another day waking up thinking, oh no, I actually don't know if it's the right thing. Mm -hmm. And just feeling like you're going from one to the other and, you, and you've made a decision, but you then think, oh, now I'm doubting that decision. So in terms of sticking to a decision, is that an example of where this could help you feel clear that your decision is the, is the right one? Yeah, and I can understand that flip-flopping. I love that term, by the way. It's great. <laughs> Very appropriate. That, um, you know, because when we make any kind of life choice that is outside the norm, should we say, outside of what our peers are doing and what we see the majority of society doing, it felt similar to me when I adopted. You know, everyone was like, why are you adopting? Why don't you have IVF instead? You know, it's you just go against the grain sometimes and you do something that feels right for you, for your own circumstances. Um, it's understandable that there are could be doubts along the way. And although you may have made the decision and you feel 100% or as close as you could be, something else may happen to tip that balance. You know, someone, perhaps you have a friend who has recently split with her partner and is telling you how hard it is to be on her own and she wishes that she had someone by her side. Or maybe you read something about a celebrity story or something in the media or um, maybe you get ill one day with the flu and you think, how would I cope if I had a baby here? You know, different things happen along the way that kind of alert us to, okay, so that's something I didn't think about. And I tend to think we could call those flip-flop moments as a bit of an opportunity. Okay, so that's highlighted something to me that I hadn't addressed before. And how do I really feel about that? Is that a reason to stop and not go ahead? Or can I find a different perspective? Can I find some creative solutions around this? Uh, and that's where the tapping can really help. It can be like, oh goodness, I hadn't thought about being in bed with the flu for five days and who would look after my baby. I'll tap on that decision, that thought and that worry. And, and then you'll have the opportunity for solutions to come to mind, you know, perhaps relatives, friends that are nearby, you know, things that you would do to, to help yourself through those times. So 
yeah, I think um, it's a very appropriate use to, to minim minimize the flip-flopping. You could say perhaps we can never stop that because it's natural to, and it alerts us to things that we need to address, but then to help us through it and actually get clear again. Oh, am I still focused 100% or do I need to research something more or do something else? So it's basically almost like unblocking sometimes I guess there's almost like a bit of a fog there isn't there where um you can't see the issue logically you just start worrying more and more about it and this almost like helps lift that so you can really see the issue and work through it to then become more yeah. clear and confident on your decision definitely and I think that's one of the the toughest things when we feel completely clouded by all the emotion and all the conflicting thoughts and worries and fears and adding in everyone else's worries and fears they have for us. And, you know, it becomes impossible, impossible to make a decision. Um, and I often start with that place with the, the women that I support is that place of overwhelm or whatever else they're feeling. Because uh, from that place of overwhelm, either two things seem to happen in that they just stand still and don't know what to do because it feels like a rock and a hard place you know it's like i don't know where to go from here and they they've noticed they're procrastinating and time is ticking and they don't want to be doing that they want to make a decision but they're they're standing still and the other side of overwhelm that can happen is often people leap into doing things that they haven't thought through and doesn't necessarily feel like the right thing in hindsight afterwards um, and that could be you know going ahead with a treatment cycle really quickly without thinking through how that's going to feel and how they want to prepare their mind and body um, so i think when we really acknowledge how we're feeling we'd be really honest with ourselves first of all and then if you're working with someone like you or someone like me you know it's like that chance to be honest with someone else and explore it and say okay so this is really how I'm feeling and then give a chance to resolve acknowledge and accept and resolve those issues before you then take your steps and it does it makes it so much easier I've seen women go from complete stagnation overwhelm or panicked feeling to so much more in flow. And this just feels natural. This feels how it should be. Yes, I might be doing something a bit different and I might not have many of my friends around me that can relate to my decisions that I'm making, but I know deep in my heart that this is right for me and it's right for the baby that I want to bring in. And therefore I'm gonna to stick to it, you know, and it's that lovely kind of calm reassurance that stays by your side as you move forward. Amazing. And oh, just even hearing you describe that makes me feel happy that people can get to that place when they've been struggling. Um, and how long does it take? I'm sure there's no one answer for this, but how long does it tend to take for people? You know, is it one session? Is it multiple sessions? Yeah, it's hard to say. You're right, because also we don't know how long people will be on this journey for. So I do have people that come to me who say, look, I just want to have support while I make the decision and I'm ready to go ahead for treatment. And as soon as they start treatment, they feel so happy that they don't come back. You know, they're on their path. That's where they want to be. And others, like you mentioned at the start there, Mel, the, the treatment then doesn't go as they planned. And whatever route that is they're taking, it's like, oh, gosh, there's another obstacle that I wasn't expecting. So if there are, you know, repeated treatments or a change of clinic or a change of treatment or direction, um, then ongoing support through that can be really important. So, yeah, you're right. There's no there's no one size fits all. But I do tend to find that people have less 
one-to-one -one sessions with me than they would with say a more traditional talk therapy because we're getting straight to actually trying to shift how you're feeling it's not a long process of reflection and waiting for things to change it's actually measurable and tangible in each session that we do so yeah when i book um, initial appointments with people we tend to have either three sessions or six sessions and that's all we start with as, as a commitment and then yeah usually by the end of that they're in a completely different place and, and can make a decision whether they need any more and would you say it's possible for it to work for everyone or do you have to have an amount of belief in it mm -hmm. or what's the situation in terms of the people who might think oh it sounds a bit weird I don't know if it would yeah work. I, and I think and I thought it sounded very weird it really put me off trying it I was like what do you mean tapping on your face makes you feel calm and you know eradicates lifelong phobias I couldn't believe that for a moment when I'd already had extensive counseling and hypnotherapy that hadn't been so effective I thought how is tapping you know going to help um so i completely understand any skepticism or belief that it could be a placebo effect like you say if i really believe this enough it will work however there is there's quite a lot of uh, a body of scientific research now around eft tapping and generally when you look at the results it's anywhere between 85 and 95 percent of a positive and also long-lasting results that they find because in the good research studies they they revisit the, the people who took part six months or a year later to find out was that a permanent shift for you or was it just an in the moment i feel better you know uh, so i and i've also it would reflect those numbers i think in my practice that you know 90-ish or even more percent um we do see results and the good thing about eft is that you know straight away as soon as you apply your first round like i did with public speaking you can feel the shift you, you know what's going to happen and if you find that it does work for you then you can apply it to absolutely anything it's just the the art of then applying it in the right way and, and getting to the root of where those emotions have come from because uh, what i find especially you know on the fertility journey um there can be many different emotions that come up many different things that are triggered in us and when we are people and often women are, especially if they're going down, you know, that single motherhood route, perhaps a little bit later in life, and they've accomplished stuff in their life so far, you know, perhaps they studied well, they went to university, they got some qualifications, they got the job they wanted, they bought the house they wanted, whatever it is, you know, they've, they've worked hard, they've pointed towards what they want, and they've achieved it. When they then decide to have a baby, it can feel like the same energy of, okay, so I'll research, I'll get the right clinic, I'll do the right approach, and it will work because I'm doing the good research and I'm a good fertility student you know and when it doesn't happen it can bring in a sense of failure or a sense of not being good enough or I've done something personally wrong so it's very interesting when we we use the technique to go back and look at things like that as well um, and it is often that kind of high achiever mentality which is great you know it gets gets things done but trying to apply that in this way is like an all or nothing it's like either I achieve or I'm a failure and there's no gray area in between so yeah we, we often go back and look at what else needs to be healed here like we're we looking at some roots from childhood where you were told you must work hard and you'll achieve and here I am it's not working in this situation so yeah, there's lots of directions we can go in with the sessions and i think it sounds so good because i would sort of split the journey to solo parenthood into three separate sections so there's making the decision so some people including myself take years to make the decision like is this really what i want to do and a big part of that i think is a societal pressure that you know we grew up with the narrative that 
it's meet a partner, get married, have children. And I know a lot of women come to me feeling um, almost a bit of a failure that, that, that that's not the path that happens for them. Not everybody, but many do. Then there's the journey itself. So you've just made this really important, massive decision. Then sometimes to find that the path to get there is actually going to be, it's almost just the start of your journey making the decision. And then there can be a complicated fertility journey. And then I think the the third area is that you've gone through all of that and you have a child. And then, you know, parenthood can be really hard. And I think I speak to a lot of people who feel like they're not in a position to be able to say how hard it is because of the journey for them to get there. And I think that's quite common speaking to actually everyone in the fertility community, that if you've been through a complex fertility journey, it can sometimes feel difficult to say, actually, I'm finding parenting tough because it was basically all you wanted and, and, and you put everything into getting there. So if you learn this technique at the beginning, is that something that you could then apply at each of those stages if you were finding it, you know, if you were finding things tough? Is it a skill for life almost then that you can apply at any time? Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. (laughs) I often say that once you learn this, you know, you learn it for a reason. And often it is this fertility journey and and the struggle and just needing something in that moment. But then, yes, absolutely. It's a skill for life. It's something that you'll have by your side, whatever comes up. You know, I learned it from my fear of public speaking, however long I said, 18 years ago. (laughs) And I've used it so often now in so many different areas of my life. And I use it, yes, definitely in my parenting and I don't think parenting is easy for anyone. I think I just want to bust that myth first of yeah. all that um, perhaps when we wish, wish and wish and hope and invest so much time and energy and money into becoming parents, we have this belief that we should be grateful then and everything, you know, we can accept any, anything that comes our way and it's all bliss because we're finally a parent. But I don't know one parent in the world who doesn't struggle in some way at some point, you know, it's, it's a big adventure. It's a crazy adventure. You don't know what's going to happen because it's involving other people now. You know, it's, you're not in complete control here. You're bringing another person into your family with everything they have and you're learning about each other as you go. And I remember once, you know, obviously I've spoken to my mom a lot, as I said at the start, about her experience of motherhood as a single mum as well. And she always, I remember her saying to me when we had some troubles when I was about 13, when I was kind of a moody 13 year old, that didn't want to speak and she kept asking me what's wrong and I would say nothing it's you asking me what's wrong and we'd go back and forth like that and I remember her saying to me at the time this is the first time that I've parented a 13 year old you know I'm learning as I go and even now it would be like, this is the first time I've parented a 40 something year old who's got children <laughs> of her own who's also struggling so I'm learning as I go you know it's yeah. we're all learning aren't we and I think we really need to cut ourselves some slack give ourselves all the kindness all the compassion that we'd give to someone else in the same situation we can often be so hard on ourselves you know I should do this I should be grateful I shouldn't you know wish my life was different you know it's we all have those moments I remember early on in my own um, parenthood I think it was maybe day four after coming home from the hospital with the night feeds and I was laying in bed and thinking when will I be laying like this next to a pool next on holiday when is that ever going to happen for me again and I had this sudden panic that you know that's not going to happen for ages because now I've got this little one that I'll have to be watching and will we even have holidays like that and oh and it just sent me into this oh my goodness what have I done feeling in the middle of the night 
which is completely understandable. And it didn't mean I was a bad mother. It didn't mean I'd made a mistake. It was just processing all of that, isn't it? It's processing this new life, all the change it brings. And children, as they grow up, they bring you something else, you know, every year there's something new and you're learning as you go. So yeah, definitely having something like tapping EFT by your side once you've learnt it, carry on using it, you know, it becomes like a trusted friend. I would not give it up for anything. You know, you could pay me a million pounds. I'm not going to hand over EFT. It's like, it's what I want to have by my side when, yes, you want to have friends and family you can reach out for for support. But if you, you know, if you don't have that, what's important in that moment is that you have it in yourself. You know, you build up the strength, build up the support and the love and the kindness for yourself first. And that will make you so much um, more more able and more likely to reach out to su for support from others as well and receive that support. Won't you? I don't know what you feel, Mel, but I really think that's important. We go inwards first with our support and, and get those tools and get that strength and then also accept it from elsewhere too. Absolutely. I think it's such an important message because I think as a solo parent who's chosen to parent solo, many of us, not everybody, but many of us are working through what society views, um, you know, what society's expectations are and how they view that. And there is um, a belief that you know, do other people think, well, you've brought it on yourself, you know, you're finding it hard, but you made the decision to do this. And so it's already difficult to ask for help. When you're asking for help on top of a worry that people are thinking, well, you shouldn't have gone down this path if you need help, it can make it even harder to ask for help. And of course, most of the time, that is absolutely a story we have told ourselves occasionally I have heard examples where friends and family have said well you made this decision which which honestly I, I can't believe anyone would say that but you know there's there's a few examples but the majority of the time it's a story we're telling ourselves not really what our friends and family are saying and so going within yourself and being confident that you have made the right decision and that you have got the ability to cope with the support of friends and family but I fully agree going inside yourself first will definitely then make it easier but I think what makes it hard to ask for help is if you've got this niggling doubt that you've done the right thing or that you're putting people out or that you're in a different situation to others so if if ever, my absolute mission and and you know passion is that people can find that confidence and so if this helps them to do that and helps them to allow others in then I fully recommend it to, uh, to anyone who's struggling with that because I think that would be absolutely great for everyone. Yeah, yeah. And it's so normal to feel that way. It's all that kind of unhealed hurts within us or beliefs that we have about ourselves. We learn a lot, don't we, on this journey for sure. You know, like everything comes to the light and we're starting to learn what we need to heal um, in order to feel supported through this journey. But of course, then it, we're going to be able to teach that to our children. You know, it's ongoing, isn't it? So I must admit, when I went through the adoption journey, which is very different from trying to conceive yourself and having treatment and no one asking you, are you doing the right thing? No interviews, no assessment. You know, you just go and have your baby when you have fertility treatment. With the adoption, you know, we had three and four hour interviews every week in our home with our social worker taking part every single part of our lives our relationship our childhood our beliefs 
so that we could prepare ourselves to become a parent of an adopted child, um, which has its differences, obviously, from a birth child. But it made me think, you know, this is good work that we're doing here. This is amazing. And wouldn't that be amazing if every parent had the opportunity to do this? Not compulsory, obviously, like it is for adoption, but what an amazing opportunity we've had to really reflect on our parenting before we take that step. So anyone that's on this journey and knows that there's some reason why it's a bit more challenging, whether that is solo motherhood, whether that is fertility treatment or the combination, if you give yourself that gift of, okay, so I am going to bring in all the support, whether that's from friends, family, professional support, inner support, you know, and tools and techniques, it is going to help me be the best parent to be while I'm in the process but also support me for that next step because it's not over is it when the baby arrives you know that's that's a whole other adventure that we've, we've got happening and lots of unexpected twists and turns that can happen for sure no absolutely um I think I think it's such an important um thing to remember so yeah really good if people are interested in finding out more about this where can they head to for more information Thank you, Mel. Yes, there's a couple of places they could head. The first one that I'd really recommend if you're interested in this idea of EFT and it sounds like a tool you'd like to explore and see how it could work. I have a fertility support membership. It's called the Fertile Mindset Sanctuary and it's for anyone on any kind of fertility journey. And what we have open at the moment is our completely free level of membership we do have a paid level of membership that has more kind of one-to-one support within it but that's not open right now but the free one gives you all the resources and all the support you need to learn what eft is learn how to start using it and to be guided by me into using it each week as well so i'd really recommend heading over there that's at fertilemindset.com sanctuary and also i have a podcast too as you know mel and you're going to be appearing on my podcast too in the next few weeks which will be really lovely to have you there and that's goes by the same name that's the fertile mindset podcast which is on all the usual um, podcast platforms apple spotify and so on and i'm on instagram under fertile mindset fertile underscore mindset facebook fertile mindset it's where you find me under that name (laughs) Brilliant. Oh, well, thank you so much. I really hope that this will be a great support for people in their toolkit as they're going through this journey. It certainly sounds like it has been for many people before and I'm sure a lot to come. So thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you, Mel. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share it with all your lovely community. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Stalk and I podcast, I'd hugely appreciate if you rate, review and subscribe. I look forward to seeing you again next week.